Valentin's and I decided to walk from Dao to General Luna, um, which took us about an hour and a half to two hours. And we were just like climbing over trees, climbing under power lines, everything was road. It, was, it looked like you were in a, a war zone. Welcome back to The Drop on STAB Podcasts. This is Danny Johnson, host of your show from Byron Bay, Australia. This week, we're going to chat with Jeremy Flores, who recently retired. He spent 13, maybe 14 years on tour. And yeah, he's always been a man with a strong, firm opinion. And uh, he's also been through a lot of ups and downs in his career. So Brendan Buckley sat down with Jeremy and Buck said that this was actually the most anybody would ever opened up to him in an interview. So, yeah, really great chat with Jeremy. But first, we're going to get into some surf news with Big Deck Power Surfer and myself, Danny Johnson. Uh, we're going to talk about what happened this week, some stuff on the North Shore, some bad news from the Philippines, and a whole lot more. So, yeah, hop in, stay tuned, and welcome to The Drop. All right, Mr. Brendan Buckley, Big Dig Power Surfer. How does it feel to be back in your homeland of the North Shore? Danny Johnson. It feels good. It feels good, Danny. Um, I'm noticing that you are shirtless this time. Usually when we do these, you're pantsless, which uh, it creates a level of comfort in me. But it's good. It's I'm back in my, uh, I guess, my native land, as you say. Yeah, these are really the only waves that seem to be able to harness your level of power. So what are you riding this year? What's your what's your board? Well, I mean, I know power is in the name, but it's also about speed and flow for me. Speed, power, flow guy from the from the jump. Um, and so I have got, I wish I could make up a story about having like a really pointy board, but I'm going to find a pointy board on Craigslist actually. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, I'm going to work my way into shots on the pickup and also in any other major WSL production. Um, so that's kind of my objectives over here. I guess it's that and now getting as pointy of a board as I can find. And um, board shorts below the knee are still pretty common here. So I could probably pick up some of those pretty easy too. Yeah, right. So I'm not there obviously in Hawaii, but I have heard that the waves are coming from a strange direction this week. And that while you know a place like Pipeline might not be exactly firing on all cylinders, there have been quite a few waves at log cabins. Have you been getting into that? I have, um, you know, I went one day and I just didn't have a fin key. Uh, you know, it's fin keys around here. Never have one when you need one. But yeah, weird direction. Little north, little northeast. I didn't even, I don't think I've heard the direction east in swells here before, but apparently that's happening. And uh, backdoor has been fun. And logs has been fun for psychopaths. I'm not one of those. Well, I am, but just not all the time. Our top story this week, Kolohe and Dino's got a new main sponsor. Uh, we brought this up before on the podcast. Sam McIntosh interviewed Kolohe a few months ago. It turned into a story called, it was all about reckless isolation and uh, how he created a bidding war. We just crammed a bunch of those words into a title pretty much, and it was a great read. Now it's time for the results of that bidding war to come to light. Give it to me. Big reveal. I haven't even seen this on stabmag.com. It is the Mad Hoovies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they've got two surfers on tour now. It was. It was. It's O'Neal. It's O'Neal. We were pondering. 
when we went over this last time, but it's O'Neill, the American born and bred wetsuit brand. Did they invent wetsuits or something? Didn't they? They invented eye patches. Okay. Yeah, I need one of those. I'm blind too. So I'm pretty much Jack O'Neill. I sponsor Chloe. But yeah, he's on. Five-year deal from what we're hearing, falling off the 10-year deal with the old H. Wow. Kolohe really seems to be a fan of like long-term relationships. He got married when he was like 22 and just had a baby, and now he's in another brand deal that seems to be going into his 30s. Everybody has friends like that, you know? Everybody has a friend that just has to go from one relationship to the next, and so he's long-term, and there's just never really single or even fun. Fun. Yeah, you listening. I know you. You're thinking about yourself. Fun. Uh, but yeah, he's just that guy who's always in a relationship, usually long-term. And now well, I, I wish him and O'Neill the best, you know, there's some sparks flying there. Um, I do have a theory because, you know, one of the other best surfers from San Clemente, Ian Crane also rides for O'Neill. You know, how there's been that weird, like rivalry between, it was really Huntington beach and Santa Cruz over like surf city. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I heard just, that from Australia. We heard about that as yeah, well. Yeah, you guys heard about it in Australia, in Byron, where you are yep. with your family. Um, I was thinking it'd be cool if O'Neill just decides, because there's such like a Santa Cruz brand, if they just decide to sponsor every surfer in San Clemente just to fuck with the town, <laughs> just literally for no other reason, no business motive at all, but just to fuck with San Clemente as a town. I think they need Griffin. I think they need Crosby. I think every San Clemente surfer, because o- Jordy has a house there. He's O'Neill. I think they just need to own that town just to get in their heads, just create some weird complex. And they're on their way with the Kolohe signing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, honestly, I think Kolohe looks really good in flannels as well. So this seems to be a good fit. Oh, it's a great fit. Let's give him a fucking axe. He'll start chopping wood, doing the grill stuff in the flannel. It's good. And dad now too. Hot dad. Dilf. Full on. And also, uh, I think... Am I correct that in uh, Mikey Saramella's best wetsuits that O'Neill actually won the best men's suit this year? I think we'd have to check with him, but um, I I believe you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another just great step in the right direction. I mean, O'Neill's on the up and up. Yeah. O'Neill's on the up and up. And what's interesting is we just got news that Hurley is the main sponsor for the Sunset CT event, which is coming up in February, I believe. Um Obviously, that was Chloe's former sponsor, and it's it's kind of funny because they went through that weird phase with like a new owner, where it seemed like they tried to drop their entire surf team, and then every single comment on all their social media platforms was just people yelling at them about it, and so they kind of like got bullied into like sponsoring people again. But I still thought they were taking a step out. Now sponsoring a CT event, it seems like they're making their intention pretty clear that they want to stay super relevant in surf, which I, I was I was surprised by that. Yeah, either that or it's just kind of a spiteful move against Kolohe. You say, we're just going to take your, whatever we were paying you, pay it to the WSL at, <laughs> at an event that you, Kolohe loves to serve Sunset, or so he says. And so, yeah, I think it's just a bit of a fuck you to Kolohe, really. Well, they're like, well, if you can't give us a win, then we'll just name the fucking event, huh? <laughs> your 2022 Stab in the Dark Surfer has been revealed. It is none other than Jack Robinson. Jackie Robbo. Jackie Robbo. He's nimble. He's quick. He had 13 boards on the North Shore, testing them all out. The project has been shot. It's coming February to all you viewers. (laughs) Wow. 
I just looked at all the stringers. I'm trying to figure them out. You guys left color on them. Okay. Okay. There's no dimensions. Shit. I'm gonna have to have a look at these for a second. Give me a second. They all feel like they're gonna be perfect for me. He loved the boards, obviously. How could you not? And we're actually hearing some whispers that he wants to steal them. Usually surfers do the stab in the dark board test and they give all the boards back to stab. We have events with them. We let um, some people try to win them, all that. Uh, Jack just wants to steal the boards. He wants to take them to CT events with him, which how can we say no to that, Danny? What do you think? Well, it's certainly better than um, Taj's take on it, which was to sell the boards on Gumtree. <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> he tried, yeah. <laughs> I think we got in there and told him, that, uh, can you not do that, please? We really want those boards. Um, wow, that's awesome. I mean, I back that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love the idea of Jack riding them in a CT event. I mean, presumably these are all short boards, so unless backdoor stays the way it is right now for the next two months, which hopefully it doesn't, Jack probably won't ride them there. And Sunset, you'd have to think that he'd be riding one of his trusty Arakawa steeds where he, you know, put up one of the highest heat totals in the event's history last time he surfed there. Um, so Portugal looks to be sort of the first window where those boards might actually come into play. And that's in like early March, which is theoretically right when that whole movie is going to be premiering. So it kind of lines up really well for some interesting storylines. Well, I have bought a secondhand board there before. Uh, the site there is called OLX. Um, uh, so I'm going to keep an eye on that as the Portugal event rolls around to see if Jack's going to try to ditch him off there too. And I'm on it. I'm on to you, Jack. Um, I once bought a board off OLX from uh, a, a woman who was going to the hospital with some severe stomach issue. And she just waited, met me in a parking lot and sold me a DHD for a hundred bucks. Um, that's kind of my fondest OLX memory, but I'm on to you, Jack. If you, I'm on to you. Don't, don't you try to pull a Taj on us because you think you might get to Europe and nobody will know, but I do. <laughs> and the boards are uh, pretty unmistakable. I don't think we've released the art just yet, but um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting aesthetic we have going this year. It is. Yeah, we spray painted dicks on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they let me do the art this year. And um, I just did my 12-year-old thing, which I normally resort to. So it's, they look great. We had really good feedback on that. I heard you were actually the inspiration for that super bad scene. Is that true? It is, yeah. Yep. It is. Which, yeah, you know the movies. They always pull shit from elsewhere. It's pretty annoying. Don't give people credit. But anyway, it was great. Jack loved the board so much that he's trying to steal them and or sell them on Portuguese secondhand websites. And we have got an awesome series coming to you guys soon. So, do you know the winner? I do know the winner. Oh my god! I Who is it? It is Torque. <laughs> <laughs> Torque had a big year, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess that it was between Torque, Wavestorm, and NSP, but Torque took it out in the end. Well done, Torque. Super Typhoon at Cloud9. In quotes, I thought we were going to die. So this is a wild story. It's heavy. It's not It's not fun. It's not light. It's just big, important news this week. But a Super Typhoon hit the Philippines and Josie Prendergast yep. 
was there. She's from there. She's got roots there. And she was visiting for the first time since COVID happened. And it's it's really sad. And we could just jump to some audio from her here and let her tell us the story. I was there when it happened. It was, I feel so traumatized from it. Um, well, it was just like it went from sig- signal number three typhoon to a signal number five typhoon, which is like a super typhoon or a hurricane within like I don't know within like such a short period of time and it was so scary I honestly thought I was gonna die um but we were all upstairs in the cement house and we were kind of just videoing it for a little bit and then it just got so bad that the roof literally flew away and parts of the house are just crumbling and so we were all like all of us, like none of my, like, you know, elderly people, babies, we were all scrambling downstairs into a one room and that's when it just all got real because literally all of the surrounding houses around us, they were just gone. Like, I don't know how we survived it because we were watching all of the surrounding houses just pretty much fly away. You know, my mum and I have pretty much lost our houses too and everything, but we'll, there's just so many people who are going hungry and needing water and dying from dehydration and everything, so it's just really hard. <sighs> there's, like, no signal on the island and uh, there won't be any electricity for four to six months, so it's like the locals there can't ask for assistance. Because there's no one, there's no one to reach. So that's why I had to leave to Manila, and that's like I can do more help by being here than by being there. Yeah, it just sounds. Um, I mean, we've we've certainly seen situations like this before all over the world. You know, Puerto Rico got hit really badly. Obviously, we saw Katrina in the U.S. and you know these different areas that are either surf or not surf related being hit by a Category Five storm and. I think one of the main points that I took away is that a lot of people survived the storm, but it's not over after that. It's, you know, after that, these people are not going to have power for four to six months. They're not going to have cell service for one to two months. Like, they're just pretty much stranded on this little island that is, yeah, it's tropical and, and nice, but, you know, those days are hot and long. They don't have shelter. They don't have trees. They don't have houses. And, yeah, I think it's uh, just important that we lend a hand, hand when and where we can. So yeah, there's going to be some uh, links to donate in this uh, description of this podcast. So go ahead down there. And if you've ever visited Cloud9 or ever thought about visiting or uh, you just feel a sort of affiliation for the people, uh, yeah, we'd recommend you give a little donation. The Vans Triple Crown Surfing starts now. Who you got? So we've mentioned this before, but we're on. We're on. The North Shore is on. We are picking up what you're putting down, so to speak. The pickup is on. You like that? (laughs) Think about that one. Uh, but we're here. It's on, and we've got six episodes of the Vans pickup playing on Stab Premium. The first one dropped this Monday, and they'll be dropping every single Monday, 6 p.m. California time, for the next six weeks. Five weeks, I guess, since we already dropped one, but it's great. Everything you need to know that's happening on the North Shore, you will find there. Everything. How, how convenient is that? 
uh, really convenient for someone like me in Byron Bay, who's yep. just watching the show and not a part of it at all. Um, you know, I, I really thought that Tosh and Pua did a, a pretty good job in the newsroom. Not quite as good as me, Harry, and uh, Holly last year. But, you know, what can you expect? Yeah, I mean, you can't... Again, I think it's just genetics. You know, you can't really fault somebody for that. But, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying Mikey Ciramello's section in the bunker. Those have been, uh, yeah, pretty enjoyable for me. What do you no, think? Those no, fucking suck. <laughs> They're so bad. They cringe, huh? They're so cringe. Oh, my God. <laughs> nah, we love them. We love them. We love Mikey. He's doing it good in the bunker. Um, and we've got some good stuff coming on this. We... We're talking about some fun stuff to do while we're here. Like, I had a conversation with Jet Chilling yesterday where I was pretty much trying to harass him into trying to surf Sunset Pipe and Haliva in just one session, which requires, I mean, I think there's about seven miles between those places, well, between Sunset and Haliva. And there's a few stretches where, like, you're just not getting any waves. You're just kind of paddling. It's just in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, sometimes. Shark-infested ocean. Yeah, you're just outside, way outside Waimea doing your thing. But you beat downwind, and I think basically we just need to come together as a community and harass Jet into doing this. Um, I'm relying on our viewers here, our listeners, to harass Jet Chilling on Instagram and tell him that he has to paddle from Sunset to Haliva. And I think, let's make it happen. Surely he could just borrow one of Kai Lenny's like, wingsuits and just turn it into a sail between waves. No, you yeah. just like, stand up on a 9-0 and just open your arms, and you have like a little flying squirrel outfit on, and you just go 20 knots down the water. I wonder if you could wingsuit and foil at the same time. Like, if you can't, then if you can, then Kailani's probably already tried it, right? Yeah, I think he's technically done every water sport, and he's sexual and otherwise. Yeah, at, well, waterboarding too. You know, with his, he's you know his past. <laughs> um, Kailani's never waterboarded something for the record, but he is in the triple crown. He is, which is cool. Which is cool. It's good to see. I still understand Kyleni. We have a piece coming on Sad Premium about him. I still just don't really understand. Do you understand Kyleni? I'm starting to a bit more. What's your take? I think he's a mix between like Laird and Kelly Slater. Okay. And, wow. And that goes from his like his looks to his sort of interests within the surfing world to now his like shortboarding. He's literally starting to look like a young Slater. Um, and he's got the tan, yeah, just everything about him. And he's this mix of like this intellectual, but also this like real commercial and forward facing. And he is truly just like a, he's like a magnate in surfing. Like he just, he draws all this intention toward him and then he just shoots it back out to the world. Water sports. Yeah. Waterboarding. Yeah. Um, no, that, the one thing you said there that he's like starting to look a bit Slater actually like. I guess for a while I was just like, oh yeah, this kid seems super nice and fun and he does like windsurfing shit. That's cool. He surfs Jaws and windsurfs, but he's really been surfing like, like ripping lately. Like in a way that I did not know that he was capable of, like doing some pretty sick airs, massive turns. And I'm like, holy shit. I never knew Kyle he was like this good at riding a shortboard. Yeah. Well, um, do you think that they'll count waves with straps in the Vans Triple Crown? Ooh, that's a good one. Like if I he mean, just went out to sunset on like a decent sized day, but he had straps on and just did like a 15 foot air and landed it. I mean, he would have some straps on his waterboard. So I guess it's more a, a question for... <laughs> I would United <laughs> Nations will probably have to have a say in this. That's probably the issue. Yeah, you might get some sanctions from them. But 
I think uh, I don't see anything in the rule book about it. I think maybe yeah, it's just a UN thing that you'd be like a war crime type thing <laughs> that would prevent that. Anyway, the Vanish Triple Crown. Let's go back to this title. Who you got? Who you got to win this thing? Yeah, well, we heard uh, Mikey's picks last week, and I thought they were pretty stupid. Of course. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go. Uh, we actually just got word that Noah Dean is going to be a late entry into this year's event. So if Backdoor keeps its current status, and I think we may be in for maybe like a little Kona win day one day. So we get Northeast Swell, some Kona wins. I'm seeing some ramps out there. For sure. And I think Noah Dean's going to put down a huge score at Backdoor for an air. So I'm going Noah Dean at Pipe. I like that. It's bold. Yeah. It's bold. Yeah. And then uh, overall, I'm going to have to go with Kai. I think Kai's the guy. I think he's got all the tools. I think he's got just a full bag of ropes and chains that he's going to bring oh, up. Yeah. yeah. He's got them all. <laughs> the the uh, progressive craft. He's got, yeah, he's got really, in, uh, fuck, I can't talk right now. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about one of the world's most prominent surfers <laughs> torturing people, but... <laughs> anyway (laughs) so yeah who you got buck just talking about now i guess i didn't realize i i got the news too that Noah dean's coming over and doing it and it is just pretty crazy to think that like i couldn't imagine two people just on further ends of the spectrum than than noah dean and kyle any like really they are just opposite sides of how this whole surfing thing works it's pretty fucking sick that they're in an event together and especially like just how, to your point, like how Noah can just go try some massive airs at pipe. Like how you could really see instead of like an event window where it's just one day and it's you get the best wave pretty much. It's like you could really see how people want to approach this place. Maybe how they might see the waves differently than their competitors and really like, I guess, honor the waves that way. Um, it's just kind of cool to see how everybody will like read this this window and try to get their best scores at sunset pipe and Oliva. just i think we're gonna see it like with that kind of range in this thing like we're gonna see some really different approaches but uh i'm still gonna go john because i am a logical man uh, yeah and like a gambler and i don't like to lose money <laughs> john and carissa lock it in let's go and can we make sports betting or surf betting legal in the u.s for fuck's sake yeah jesus christ what's it well, gonna oh, take it doesn't matter to me actually sorry i forgot Oh, yeah, yeah, we can, yeah, I can make some bets for you over here in Byron Bay. Let's get that happening, all right? Come on, people. Let's pull it together. How does Kelly Slater's career stack up against other modern sporting greats? So this is a story on Stab Premium that answers the question posed in the title. Mitchell Shepard wrote it, and he basically went hard in the research, figuring out how Kelly looks when compared to some of the other greatest surfers all time. And also to people like Roger Federer. I don't know how to say that fucking guy's name. Federer. <laughs> like why, why two ERs, you know, enough Roger Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan and Lionel Messi. Um, Slater is turning 50 in February. So he's coming into the 50th year of his life and still competing at the high level. It's pretty fucking baffling. And when you crunch the numbers, this guy with his Federer, he smokes him. Kelly's way better. So we've got the, we've got the stats to prove on stat premium on this piece. 
Yeah, um, I just I think everybody's a little bit disappointed, and at Paul Evans was really good to bring this up. I thought it was really diligent of him that it, it just doesn't touch on some of the main other sports that we really consider like darts. Um, you know, we have Phil, the power Taylor who's been around for, <laughs> <laughs> it's been around for like 60 or 70 years now. And he hasn't missed a bullseye in like 14 years. Is that true? Yeah. He hasn't missed a bullseye in 14 years. Yeah, no, it's true. How's that even possible? <laughs> oh, fuck, revoke the story then. If this guy really hasn't missed the bullseye in 14 years, then not to mention George Digweed of clay pigeon shooting. What's his stats? What's he got? How many clay pigeons he shot? I mean, if a guy hasn't hit and missed a bullseye in 14 years, I don't know if we'd call Kelly Slater the greatest surfer, greatest <laughs> athlete of this era. Um, yeah, we, we missed him in the thing. I mean, we got Tiger Woods, who, when you look at Kelly's career span, how many times he's won, uh, we built a pretty compelling case that he's done more in surfing than tiger has in golf yeah but um, kelly slater has never been assaulted with his own endorphins by an aggrieved lover tiger woods was literally attacked by a wife who found out that he only cheated on her with like 200 women and she comes at him with a golf club yeah i mean i had a pretty hot take when that was happening because i think kelly was in a bit of a slump and didn't tiger like come back from that and start playing you... oh yeah he won the masters it would basically be like kelly coming back and winning the pipe masters yeah, that's like the one thing I feel like Kelly needs like a fucking crisis to, to like come back from. You know, he needs, he needs to be a comeback story all of a sudden. And we don't have that. Like Tiger had his whole hooker thing, but Kelly needs like some horrible... No, I shouldn't. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I just think Kelly could use... He needs something to come back from. You know, he's starting 50. He needs to get... He's still got mojo, but I think a big crisis like that could help bring the mojo back. Um, you don't think this like niggling 15 year foot injury is enough? Uh, we're coming up on year 18 of that actually. See what the numbers, but <laughs> not enough. No, we need we need to go mainstream with it. We need to, we need a big deal. Pamela Anderson needs to come out of the woodwork. Yeah, we need her involved. Um, and I think that that might be what it takes to get to number 12. I think either that or one of his photos comes to light from the ESPN body issue that nobody was ever supposed to see. But I heard a little rumor that we might be dropping it on Stab Premium in the coming weeks. Oh, I'm trying so hard to get this photo of him looking innocent and naked in a pool. Um, We are doing on Stab Premium for the 50 days leading up to Kelly's 50th birthday. We are working with a bunch of photographers from inside and outside the surf industry to get these moments of Kelly that you haven't seen before and provide a little context about the day they're shot, what, what was happening, all that. And yeah, I found this one of him just naked in a pool and the light is glistening and he just looks, it's definitely Kelly in a way you've never seen him before. And so I am in talks with these people now to try to get my hands on this thing. And even if it's just for personal use at this point, um, but it's a beautiful image and I hope I can license it and share it with you all soon. But the photo a day thing starts this Friday, so probably the same day this episode drops, actually. So have a look and follow along because we already have some great stuff, um, and there's plenty more on the way, and hopefully you get to see Kelly Slayer naked in a pool. Uh, that's what we're working on here. Yeah, and all jokes aside, fucking 50 years old and still at the elite level, He, a lot of people haven't even like kind of recognized this outwardly. He surfed in three of seven events last year and still easily requalified. That's pretty insane. It's fucking wild. Wild. 
to be fair, he has been like training. His CT year has been like three events for the past like five. <laughs> he doesn't realize there's fucking nine of them, you know? <laughs> Nobody told him. <laughs> um, that's just his year. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Does he have another event win in him? Absolutely. Where? He could do it at Lemoore. He could do it at Pipeline. He could do it. Are they going to G Land this year? They are, yeah. Yeah. He could do it at G Land. For sure, he's got an event win in him. You I think, think I, you think Lamore? Really? I think so. Against like Gabe doing massive valley oops every wave? I guess it would require Gabby not landing something, which is unlikely now that you bring it up that way. Okay. I personally I think more of a shot at like firing Pipe or or G Land or Chopu. But yeah, I, I would love to see him get one more. He you think he'd retire it. if he did? At this point, I don't want him to. There was a time where I really, really wanted Kelly to just hang it up before it was like too late. You know what I mean? But he's already like gone so far beyond that. And now it's like, just stay on until you're like 65, right? Like stay on as long as you possibly can. And then go back on the QS. Yeah. <laughs> There's no no out of this life now. Yeah. He'll be back at Cocoa Beach where it all started. Yeah. In the Ron John Pro. It would be great if when he's 70, he at least serves a few QS events. Like, I bet he'd still beat some people. You know he beat some people like us in 70 <laughs> um but i'd love to see him win another event i really would if tiger can do it with 200 hookers and a broken leg kelly can do it too. yeah we just need a little something to get the mojo back come on <laughs> let's go all right and now it is time for a surf sin this struck me as a pretty time relevant surf sin we've got ryan here and he's going to talk about a little surfboard issue involving a friend and it's, it, it poses a pretty interesting question for us to to kind of unpack so let's just get into it let's go hey guys big fan of the show just wanted to share this surf sin with you that's been on my mind for seven or eight years um still haunting me so i'm going surfing with my buddy uh ocean beach in san francisco and, and we pull up at sloat and we're checking out the conditions it's pretty crap we think we're about to go out, um, and so I, I unstrap my buddy's board off the top of the car. He rides along, so his strap to the top of mine was just in the car because I read a shorty. And uh, we decide we're not actually going to stop at that spot. We're going to go somewhere else and check out another spot. So I drive the car away, and, of course, the board goes flying off the top of the car. And I can still remember the board literally out the rear view mirror falling to the ground. And it's just like, yeah, it's like so painful all in slow motion. And it was on this part of the road where you have to keep driving. Like you can't, you can't necessarily stop just right there. So I had to go all the way around for like a couple minutes and, and be thinking about, Oh my God, like how, you know, fucked is this board? And so we get there and it's, it's pretty bad. The tail really took a beating some parts of the rail, but it's, it, but it seems redeemable. And I, I had been doing a lot of ding repair at the time myself. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a go. Okay. But in retrospect, this, that was a terrible idea. The board was totaled. I still gave it a go. And, and that, that was a horrendous process and a total joke. So I decided to just try to buy him another board and I didn't have much money at the time. And so like three or $400 was a really big deal to me, but I found a like, $400 used board on Craigslist 
and the brand was like NRS or NSR, some, something along those lines. And you've probably seen this acronym before on a longboard. And the guy who previously owned it, he like told me that he had whited out the label at some point or whited out the logo at some point because uh, he just like he was, I don't know if he was embarrassed. He said he did it in vain. I, I don't know why exactly. So I, I buy the board anyways, though. It's, it's in fine condition and it was like the same size and, you know, same functionality as my buddy's board that, you know, I, I uh, murdered. And so, um, so I give it to my buddy and, and he's not thrilled about it at all. Um, he's not excited. And, you know, I, I give it to him anyways, like I explained to him the situation and, you know, I kind of, I kind of just uh, figured in my mind, you know, this guy doesn't really surf. Like he surfs maybe a few times a year. Like what's the big deal? This is all I can do at this point. Now I'm at a point in my life where I could afford to buy him another board, but this is seven years down the road. I don't even know if he surfs anymore. But, you know, I feel like I did what I needed to do in many ways, but it still haunts me. And I and I don't I don't know if there's something else that I need to do so that I can like somehow release this one. So any feedback, guys, would be much appreciated. Danny, what do you make of this? Oh, there's a few layers to this one, aren't there? Oh, yeah, it's deep. It's deep. I mean, he never said what the original board brand or model was, um, but I'm going to take from context clues that it's probably just like a nice, you know, polyurethane long board. Yeah. And it sounds like he got his friend an NSP. Yeah. Winners of the 2022 Stab in the Dark. Yep. Uh, I think that's actually Torque, but runners oh, up, yeah, not runner, bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry. So, yeah, if, if you got your friend an NSP, first of all, you wildly overpaid for it at $400 for a, a used board. Um, whoever sold you that is, it was probably you, actually, now that I Could think Could have been it. me. Yeah. Could have been me. <laughs> So, so that's like a sin in and of itself, but I don't, I don't even want to go there. Um, but yeah, it sounds like your friend was probably, probably right to be a little bit upset about that. You clearly should have gotten him a torque if anything. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, as, as far as the penance goes, I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, you, you were doing what you could back then with, you know, the money that you had and, and you, you felt bad, you know, you, from the beginning, there was a sense of guilt and you were wanting to absolve yourself, which is oh, yeah. really good. It's a good sign. Um, but I think now at this point, what you really need to do is you need to wear this guilt as kind of a scarlet letter mm. to, to really get past it. So I don't think you need to buy that guy a new board. He probably doesn't surf anymore. Or if he does, he's probably intolerable. Um, I mean, he's riding a longboard to begin with. So I think what you got to do is you have to rock your shortboard on the roof of your car for the next three months. So, you know, whether you have a, a little Corolla or a pickup truck or a van or whatever, you've got to put that little six-foot board right on the top of your roof. Strap it down every time. Make sure it's tight. Uh, make sure it doesn't go flying off the back. And it's really just um, letting people know that you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. And it's, yeah, it's just a bit of like every single time you do it, you're going to feel a little bit embarrassed and a little bit ashamed. And it's going to remind you, though, to just never forget to strap something on again. Um, one, because you don't want your board to get dinged. And two, because it'll remind you to never do anything like this again. Wow. That is that is a stern fist you're rolling with there. Um, I've always been of the belief that do everything you can to not put a board on the roof. Like I've had my wife and my stupid little fucking hatchback with a 9-0 in there and she's like up against the thing. It's just horrible. And 
I do everything to not put a board in the roof. So to me, that's that's pretty jarring. But uh, I do think you know Ryan's got to heal somehow, right? Um, the reason I thought this sin was so timely was because this is the time of year that a lot of people give gifts to each other, and I don't think I've ever received a surfboard as a gift. But it's always such a sketchy move. We're all so fucking particular with what we want in a surfboard that buying one for somebody else is a huge risk. And it's to me, it's not really a risk worth taking a lot of the time, especially in this case, buying a goddamn NSP for me for 400 bucks. Thanks, thank you for that. Uh, and so anyway, I think when I really think about it, yeah, I know it's drop shit on the roof, but we've all been guilty of a little haphazard behavior here and there, haven't we? So to me, the sin is trying to think that you could buy a board for somebody else. You know, it's like ordering food for somebody else at a restaurant or something like that. Um, And so my penance, I was feeling a little bit in a nicer mood than Danny. I was going to say, just go buy yourself a surfboard to reconnect with that. Because to me, it's almost like I'm not going to fault ignorance here because it's almost like when somebody went like the missionaries and they tried to spread the word of god it's like i'm not gonna yell at you for oh, they probably did do that didn't they they were horrible it's like genocide i think they killed people yeah yeah they genocided <laughs> um shit i don't know you should just buy a board because reconnect with the joy of having your personal taste reflected in your surfboard buying and that way you'll never buy your board buy a board for your friend again because your friend Fuck that guy. You tried your best. <laughs> so your advice is, uh, your penance is for this guy to treat yourself. Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year. Exactly. I'm just, I'm just in a mood this morning. I think he needs to treat himself. There you have it, Ryan. What's the minimum spend? Oh, 800 bucks. Like, don't... Buy, I had two leashes. I know you already have leashes. Buy two. I don't care. Go hard at the surf shop. Be one of those people that they use walk out of the surf shop and every employee is like, what the fuck was that guy's deal? Um, that's what I think that you need to do to, to heal from this. This guy's wife is going to think he paid us. Oh, yeah. I mean, if she's listening, it'll take some money. <laughs> I, think, I think I got kicked off Venmo. <laughs> that's not a good look. <laughs> I actually don't know what Venmo is. What is that? We don't have that in Byron Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have it. You guys probably have some fucking stupid app. <laughs> Silly little country. All right. That's uh, that's all we got for you, folks. If you've got a surf sin and you want to heal, I, if you have a surf sin and I just told the guy to spend $1,000 on a surfboard and you're not going to submit one, then you're sinning right now. And so, yeah, you have our emails. Please just send us your thoughts, send us rants, yell at us, do whatever you want, and confess some sins. We will heal you. And now it's time to hear from Jeremy Flores. Buck got on the phone with Jeremy a little while back to discuss everything from the start of his career through the ups and downs and all the way through his recent retirement. This is just an excerpt of the full interview and wasn't necessarily meant to be on a podcast format. So the audio is not the best, but we really loved some of the things that Jeremy had to say. So we wanted to include it anyway. And if you're interested, the full interview can be read on Stab Premium. We really recommend you hop on there to, to get the distilled and really mined version for all those little golden nuggets. But without further ado, here is Mr. Jeremy Flores. Well, yeah, man, congratulations. It's uh, it's time, huh? 
Yeah, thanks. Fuck, finally over, which is, uh, it's like a huge relief. <laughs> what made you finally decide to do it? I know you've been thinking about it for a while. Well, a few things. Uh, first is uh, family. Um, you know, I have another baby coming up. Oh, shit. Congratulations. Uh, I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah, little boy. So wow. it's pretty excited. Uh, so, you know, with this whole pandemic and stuff, like with the schedule and, and all the restrictions and the COVID and stuff, uh, I, we tried to, to travel together this year. And uh, it's it's really, really hard, complicated. So uh, I figured after all these years, like having to spend like four or five months away from my family is... Uh, Fuck, it's too hard, you know. Um, if I was, if I was at the start of my career, I would have done it 100%, you know. But because I've been around for so long, I figured this was, uh, you know, this was a good time to to stop uh, because of the family family thing, you know. I want to be 100% there for my family uh, and just have like a full, you know, dad dad role, like the better dad I can be. Yeah, I heard. Did you didn't you have like a crazy flight to get to Australia this year from Tahiti? Yeah, we had to do like because uh, because uh, there wasn't many flights leaving from Tahiti. We had to. There was like one flight. The only flight has to go through France, so we had to do Tahiti, France, France to LA, LA to Sydney, which is oh like my pretty crazy. God. So like, yeah, and uh, I, you know, like I charged it, I charged it with my family because uh, otherwise I wouldn't see them for four and a half months, and uh, for four and a half months without seeing my kid would have been would have been a nightmare. So we're like, okay, let's just do it. Uh, so we did the whole two weeks quarantine and stuff, which was, you know, I, I thought it, I thought it was gonna be worse. Like we we treated really well, you know, with like a nice apartment and stuff, but. But yeah, like so many restrictions and stuff, and with kids, it was it's pretty pretty hard to organize, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Oh and, my god, and man. Very expensive too. Like I... that whole Aussie trip, uh, Aussie leg, like cost me fortune. Cost me like something like four, like forty grand uh, euros. You know, it's it's like yeah, huge cost. And uh, because as a family, you know, I decided to travel as a family. It's a lot more expensive with all the restriction and charter flights and all that. Uh, like we didn't have much options with the hotels and stuff. So it was uh, it was pretty wild. As much as we had, we spent some really cool time, you know, in between. It was really good to be in Australia. Australia is the best country, like to have your family, kids, and stuff. But but yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a mission. Oh man, yeah, I can see why you made that call. That's that sounds intense. <laughs> so that's that, and then other uh, other than that too, it's you know I've been thinking about it uh, a bit, you know, for a few years. Uh, just I don't know. It's just a, the, I feel like my my you know I'm getting. I just don't have that fire that I used to have, especially when the waves are average. And I feel like there's a lot of more, there's a lot more average waves on tour now nowadays than than before than back in the days. Uh, so I feel like when the waves are good, I'm still capable of doing good things, you know. Um, but when the waves are average, I just can't find that that motivation that I used to have. And like I'm like, I, you know, the level nowadays is so high, and kids nowadays are so like 100% like ready at like everything, you know. Kids like are young, they're talented, they have all these like crazy entourage traveling with them. Uh, they don't like you know they don't party or anything so they're like they're physically 100% ready um, 
uh, and yeah, they're, they're machines. So I feel like it's getting really hard to, to beat these kids in uh, in average waves. So the, the only shot I really had was you know at doing like a couple of good results and good uh, good performance when was when the waves were good. But I feel like uh, lately, you know, with the schedule and stuff, that these like good waves are getting so rare. You know. Yeah. When you see these younger kids coming up, do you ever trip on like? what your life was like at 17, like when you were at that age and qualified for tour? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was a bit different. I mean, fuck, when I got on tour, I mean, the tour was nothing like it is today. You know, it was still like really rock and roll. And it, like, it was like, a, it was like a big family traveling to each, uh, each event. Uh, there wasn't any like coaches or filmers or like managers and, and physio and all that. Uh, it was just like everyone was just traveling, doing the thing by themselves, and I feel like it was uh, the camaraderie was uh, was a lot uh, stronger. You know, it was like a, it was just a lot tighter. It was like a tighter crew. As nowadays, you know, each surfer is traveling with their individual uh, crew, so it's different. It's just a different vibe. Like back then, it was like everyone was just getting together a lot more. Nowadays, it's kind of everyone doing their own thing, like surfing has involved. Obviously, there's a lot more money involved too. And uh, it's it's just gotten to a, uh, to, to a lot more serious sport and a lot more professional too. So it's a good thing, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but for someone like me that's known the tour the way it was back then, it's, it's, like, it's like night and day, you know, night and day, it's so different. So it's kind of, uh, it's good and it's kind of sad in a way. Because it's good, why? Because it's it's you know like guys are, are, are a lot more healthy, guys are, are are doing the right way, which is a healthy way, which is a more professional way. But at the same time, it's kind of sad because the the, the vibe is not what it used to be. You know, there, there isn't much like get get together anymore. Uh, it's it's kind of like like that's why we were kind of calling it the dream tour back then you know because it, it really was the dream tour just surfing like pretty much every event was like firing waves and uh, and the vibe between everyone was just like it was a con- like a constant like uh it was a constant celebration you know <laughs> it's pretty pretty crazy like win or lose it was like everyone's getting together having a good time it was pretty it was like a, it was like a dream tour i mean i, I don't see many sport being that that dreamy like it like uh you know we've talked about before and you're talking about how you know you qualified and you had guys like these guys like andy and aki and like these legends on tour did it take a little while for you to feel like accepted or do you feel like you got on and everybody just was like friends right away and it had that vibe no, for sure, for sure. When I got on tour, I, you know, I, I had a, I had a bit of an attitude. You know, I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna take shit from anyone. So I had a, so obviously, like the older guys, you know, they see a young, like a kid coming on tour. So, so a lot of them gave me, gave me a hard time. You know, which, which, which is normal. But as much as I was, I was super respectful in the free surf, and you know, I knew where my spot was. I knew where my place was. You know, I was never taking the inside. I was always respecting. Uh, the elders but in the heat I was like an animal I just want to beat whoever it was no matter if it was an, like one of my idols and stuff I really wanted to win and uh, I felt like I had a lot, a lot to prove too because when I got on tour there was a lot of talk saying that you know I kind of got lucky and I was you know I was I was small I was pretty small skinny and not powerful um, 
that my big wave games was was uh, was was shitty and stuff. So I felt like I had a lot to prove, you know. So so I I really wanted to show because to be honest, even myself when I got on tour, I didn't feel like I I, I belonged on tour. I, I was shocked when I qualified so young in 17. I thought I was like I was like wow like I, like I thought I was going to become like like and like dead last on the ranking and just be a punching bag for everyone you know i i really did uh I, like inside i didn't want to show it but i believe i was like wow like i'm this is heavy like i didn't expect to be on tour that young and uh and but i end up just wanting to prove everyone wrong and that was kind of like my strength it turned into like a super positive uh motivation and and it worked because my first year on tour I ended up eighth in the world, and it, it yeah I, I did things that I never thought I was capable of doing. Did it take you a while to, like look at somebody like Andy, and like think that like you could really compete with them, or were you just like head down like gonna just compete any way you could? Yeah, I thought you know what like I say when I was in the heat I was trying my hardest, but I need I, I wasn't you know I was like okay I'm sorry against Andy I'm sorry against Kelly like. I should be losing this hit, you know, but I really, I'm going to make it hard. Like I'm going to, I'm going to give it my best shot every time. You know, I really wanted to show a good performance. I wanted after the hit, I wanted these guys, like my heroes to be like, wow, like, you know, that good hit buddy. Like, you know, I wanted that recognition. Like I didn't really mind about winning, losing or whatever, but I wanted to give it like a good battle every time. Cause I knew these guys were on another level, you know, I, I, I really did, you know, but I thought I was like, you know, in the heat, like half an hour, two best waves. I was like, you know, anything can happen. And I did like on my first year, I beat Kelly at, at Chopu, like small Chopu. And, and the waves were really, it was really small and it was, it was slow. And I did, and I got the two best waves of the heat and I beat him. And I was like, wow, like <laughs> I just beat Kelly. Say it was, it was crazy. Like who would have thought, who would have, who would have thought? Yeah. Wow. Another thing we've talked about in the past was just the level of surfing that you were able to see back then and how how much of an impression it left on you. Are there still some things that you look back that you see from that era that you think we miss today in terms of just like the performance level and what people are doing? Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm convinced 100%. Like I think the small wave games today is like out of control. Like there's that like nobody back then can do stuff that the kids do nowadays in, in the average waves that's for sure but i still think that in solid you know solids you know eight foot waves i still think back then the drive maybe it was because of of the of the boards guys were using or i'm not sure but the drive back then still today like there isn't many surfers that that, that are able to do it like i remember for example i remember watching cloud break eight foot like kind of on shore like not really barreling and guys just going like huge top to bottom turn like drive calves i still today i don't think many many guys can do that and back then uh i think the drive in these solid stuff back then was next level and still today not many guys can do it like i really really believe it um yeah it's like a different i don't know like nowadays i feel like guys are so uh so concentrated on doing like huge airs and stuff that they kind of forget that that whole basic like long drive on the rail on like a longer board you know like guys are going shorter board like wider so that they can do huge punts and 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 land it you know stick it if you could go back in time knowing what you know now is there any advice that you'd give to a 17 year old version of yourself well you know like looking back to be honest like i did way more than i thought (laughs) 
that I thought I was going to do. Like, if you, you would have told me when I was 16, 17, the career I would have had, I probably wouldn't have believed it. So I think I did pretty good for myself. I, uh, I think... I think uh, obviously, like you know, my career had a lot of ups and downs. You know, a lot of like, a lot of wild choices, a lot of wild moments, uh, but not much regrets to be honest. Like um, people ask me sometimes, I'm like, you know what? I was who I, I was. I, I stayed at least. I stayed honest to myself. I stayed as real as I could be. I, I never. I was never fake and never trying to show like a like a fake image of myself. So. Uh, you know, I'm nowhere, nowhere near to be perfect. I'm pretty, pretty, you know, pretty. Um, uh, I'm like a, I'm like a, uh, like a weird case, you know. But um, I was, I always stayed, stayed as real as I can be. So, I mean, I did all the hard work. I knew when I was young, when I was 17, I knew what I had to work on. I knew I had to work on my power turn. I was pretty back then. I was pretty skinny. I was I wasn't powerful enough, so I, I worked on all my rail game, like big calves and stuff. Um, I really wanted to improve that. When I was younger, I used to I had all the air games. I used I remember I used to love doing airs and stuff when I was a kid. But I, but all, like I was getting hurt all the time. Mm. Like I hurt my 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 ankles and knees a lot when I was a teenager. And that kind of that kind of uh, stopped my like air progression, and I kind of put it aside. And also, like at that time when I got on tour, like airs weren't the, weren't the thing, you know. Like I didn't really need to do airs to be top ten in the world, you know. So I was like, you know what? I like I'm not. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna step away from this whole air games because uh, because I'm getting hurt and my my little skinny ankles just keep getting hurt, and and I need to to be ready. I need to be healthy to be to to work. You know, I need to to win heats. I need to do because this was my my job, you know, my job. and to um, make as much money as I, as I could too. I, uh, I I really did my best for for my for my ability. Anyways, would you say the last few years were like the most just like personally challenging part of your career? Like outside, just trying to be mentally there, or was there another stretch like earlier where you felt pretty not into it as well? No, no, definitely not. I had a moment in my, uh, when I was like 20, 24, 25th, it was kind of like a, like a, kind of like a burnout, really, because I, you know, ever since I was like 13, like 12, 13, guys were like, I had, there's so much expectation on me, like people thought I was going to be a world champ and stuff, like the first French European to be a world champ, blah, 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 so, so I really want, I kind of didn't, never wanted to, um, let anyone down, so I put a lot of pressure on myself, uh, and that didn't that didn't really do well. You know, I was doing you know like a good performance here and there, good result, but I was never in the world title um, uh, talks. You know, so um, I, I did like I put so much energy and sacrifice into like like trying to be my best version, but it wasn't really doing it. So I was still like one of the you know part of the best surfers in the world, but I was never. I was never going that road of like going for the world title. So when I was like 23, 20, a little bit before, I started partying a lot, like a lot of partying. Because when I was young, I was, you know, I was, I only started partying pretty late, you know. So after all that energy and the sacrifice and the training I did all my, uh, my, my, like all my life, when I was like 21st, 22nd, I, um, I started getting like these big contracts and I just started partying and I was like shit I needed to like kind of let go and I did all this stuff and 
and uh, and then all of a sudden it was like a kind of like I felt like it's kind of like a kind of like a burnout somehow like I, it, like it's weird because you hear you hear everyone saying it like I remember when I was younger I was like how can you get, have a burnout when you're surfing like that seems impossible because surfing is the best thing in the world but it did happen like it's like in like a, how how weird does it sound like and how much of a like dreamy life you can have when you caught in the middle of all that you know all the all this pressure all the results like people like looking at you the media's you know talk talking about you and stuff like it's like it's instant instant pressure that just comes and it's like you can't like like it's hard to deal with you know and uh and, w- and when i started like partying a lot there was obviously a lot of uh, downside after and that's when i uh i had a moment where it was pretty tough you know i was i was trying to and then that's when i was like freaking out i was you know i was losing it at the judges and i was like losing it at every everyone i was like uh yeah i just i just became like a i don't know it's it's not really it wasn't really who i was you know like i'm a pretty respectful like uh educated uh kid you know like i've always been and i started just being like um pretty disrespectful to everyone and stuff and it was kind of like uh it was the whole build up of this whole pressure of me like maybe like guys like hoping i'd be a world champ and stuff and i was like uh, like back in the party days even you don't even have to answer it personally, but were people like, would people at least like the day before a heat kind of rein it in? Or was it, or was it just like, you're going to party all night, show up for a heat, like full on rock star? I did. There was some moments where I was like doing it, the, doing it, the, the, the doing it, the, <laughs> the, the rock star ways. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into details about how I was doing it, but I was doing the whole no sleep all night into straight into hits like there was a moment there was a few years in my career that that i was doing that and the shit it was fun yeah i mean that was probably just the standard though i mean i'm sure you weren't alone doing it i mean for sure for sure i mean except i was just a lot younger so it was like even like i wanted to be like all the older guys you know and um and you know when you're young you you're able to do all that you're able to rage all night and then surf like all day the next day you know because you're young and you got all that energy and then uh, the, the more the time went by and the years went by and then you can't really do that especially i mean like i said the kids nowadays they do they don't do anything like it you know the kids nowadays are young they're talented they train like animals they don't party like it's like it's like a different world from back then you know so it's like if like there was a few years that the transition from like my wild days to like uh i was like i can't do it i I thought i was able to still like be the man and rage and next day like win hits but nah i just started getting uh, it, that didn't work at some point like like it didn't work i was just get, losing hits of events after events and i realized okay i gotta i gotta i gotta get my shit together and stop that stop that uh stop that um that routine because it, it doesn't work anymore <laughs> yeah well like we said what a cool way to like you know towards the end of your career just have a family and be able to like travel the world with them and win an event and just like that's that's so cool that you got to experience like that whole spectrum you know what's next for you man like right now i was even like this morning i was talking to my girlfriend like having coffee i was like shit i don't even want to surf like crazy i'm like so lazy i i feel like all that um all that tension or like everything that i've you know 
uh, it's like done, you know. I'm like, I need to really like reset, breathe uh, through it. Uh, I have a lot of ideas and projects, you know, uh, with Quicksilver. Um, uh, Quicksilver like offered me, you know, they want to work on the uh, like movie project about how my life and uh, the, the career that I had. So, um, I'm, you know, they asked me if I was keen and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty keen on that. So... I don't, you know, I don't really like to talk about myself, but if, if I can send, uh, you know, not only a positive message, but uh, if I can show in the movie like how real things get in the, in the surfing world, then, uh, then I'd be pretty happy. Mm. So that's a pretty, that's a project that we can, uh, we're probably gonna work on. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I live in Tahiti now with my girl. I have another kid coming soon. And uh, I'll probably be, be, be based here, do uh, little strike missions, and hopefully go on surf trips with uh, with my with my friends. Um, but you know, when you're on tour, like you don't um, like the schedule is is so like uh, so crazy, so intense that you don't really have time to go like two weeks on a boat trip, for example. Like you don't have time for that, you know. Like in between events, like if you have two weeks, you want to go home and reset and train for the next one and stuff. So now I can I can finally like go wherever I want whenever I want which is uh which is uh which I can't wait. Oh, thanks so much to Jeremy for sharing all those incredible tour life details with us. Um he's had a fascinating fascinating career and it's cool to see how much he's grown as a person. Um and that's pretty much it for this week's episode of the drop. As always, please feel free to submit your surf sins. Our emails are in the description below. Um that's me, Danny, at rollingyouth.com, and of course Buck at rollingyouth.com. Until next week, this has been the drop.